your babs, this shit crazy. Jimmy on the beat, boy. Ho ho ho. Well, hello, this is the trophy room. It's Friday for everybody. Okay, so here's the deal. I was at work yesterday and it's it's bittersweet, it's fun. It's like, you know how back in the day it used to be like when we wanted to watch a show, we had to sit and wait. We could watch one episode and you had to wait a week for the next one. If you're young, no, well, basically, if you weren't born in the last 10 years, you know what I'm talking about. You can just sit down and watch everything all at once. You didn't have this high concentration of content. But I had a super concentration of content because I went to work, put my phone on do not disturb and come out to, you know when your friends text you will just like, whoa, or they text you the eyes with the emoji, they text you whatever, they text you something with no context because they expect you to know what they're talking about, you know it's big. And uh, I'm not even gonna give you an intro, I am gonna tell you that we're sponsored by Jim Candy, as always, Jim Candy Gummies on Instagram, TikTok, JimCandyGummies.com, go look it up, go get ready of that powdered pre-workout and get ready for the gummies. The gummies, okay. So, a lot of things, like the internet basically broke when free agency started on Thursday. I know ESPN always gets ready and they do like a, a free agency special or they have like a countdown. They have their insiders and it's like a big production. And usually I'm like, yeah, this is pointless. And uh, it's one thing for free agency. So so let me just give you the roadmap of where we're going because everything is still very fresh. But I'm trying to keep you updated on this Friday morning. So so here's where we're, here's our here's our road. <laughs> Here is our uh, roadmap for the next little bit. This is like an emergency podcast. I usually don't come out with a podcast or a show on Fridays, but just too much happened that I had to to break the heat on. So I, I had to get on and do this tonight. Hopefully this only stays like 30, 45 minutes. We'll see what happens because I'm a little mind blown about what's going on right now. So NBA free agency started and everything goes crazy. And then college football says, you know what? No one has talked about us in way too long. So you know what we're going to do? We are going to blow up the newsverse. We're going to blow up Twitter. And like, I'll just tease you with that, with saying, if you haven't heard yet, USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten. So we have... A Jalen Brunson move from the Mavericks. We have Katie and Kyrie after the whole mess that we thought we just outlined. Now there, there's something happening there. We now have a Donovan Mitchell trade from Miami. Uh, we do have a little bit of news after the Sean Watson uh, hearing has finished up. And then Bradley Beal just signed a major deal. So let's just start here. So there. So Friday... We got the news. Brian Windhorse, like we knew there was a little bit of a rift with Kyrie and Brooklyn. And we also knew that KD, well, we didn't really know because we didn't really talk about it because we didn't think it was relevant. But we basically saw that um, KD was being really quiet on this this, uh, Kyrie Irving front, which to me meant if KD is not involved, that means he doesn't care that much about Kyrie. And that much he probably doesn't care that much about the future of the Nets. And Brian Windhorst comes out with this quote on Friday saying, there is a scenario in which 
Katie and Kyrie could both be dealt. And when I first heard that, I thought like a lot of you guys, and I said, okay, well, there's no way that you trade KD. You easily get let go of Kyrie. If he doesn't want to be here, you say, fine, walk for free. But like Kyrie's not anything to hang your hat on because odds are that that hat rack's fallen over. Um, And then we move a few days later, but I honestly thought that was just... That was just content to be put out by ESPN at a time when we had nothing to talk about. I didn't really think Brian Windhorst meant a whole lot when he said that. Because I feel like sometimes you can tell, depending on where news gets broken or where it breaks, how relevant it is. And they broke it on one of their shows. It's pretty relevant. This just in on a Friday afternoon. So I was, and, and also, like, there's no shot that KD gets traded. But this is where things get interesting. There is now, and this is where things get a little weird, and maybe we'll have a little bit more, uh, we'll have a more clear view of this today on Friday. Because some people are saying KD wants out, some people are saying KD and Kyrie want out together, and then there's other people saying Kyrie wants to go to LA and is basically forcing himself to LA. So, I guess the first question we have to ask is, is moving Kyrie and KD the best option in Brooklyn? So this is going to be a little bit slower of a show today because I like I just have so much news to react to and I'm trying to understand what is what is going on. Here's the issue if you're Brooklyn. Well, let's start here. Let's answer the first question. Is moving Kyrie and KD the best option in Brooklyn? Um, I think it's... This isn't uh, an earth-shattering take, but anyone who's played on a sports team that's longer than just intramural, where it's like a consistent thing, especially in a professional league, culture is huge. Winning cultures win. Losing cultures tend to lose unless you have an all-world superstar, all a la, that comes in and changes the culture, a la the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron got there the second time. And he almost defeated the culture the first time, but he did. So, is moving Kyrie and Katie the best option in Brooklyn? Yes. And if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, that's not what you want to hear because... You haven't been relevant probably since Dr. J was there. Like, in 20 years, if you ask people, or even if you ask me, someone who loves the game, to tell you people who played for the Brooklyn Nets, like stars, like genuinely the only person I'm going to be able to really tell you played there besides back to Dr. J was Darren Williams when he was in his heyday and Jared Allen. Neither of whom will that casual fan ever talk about now, let alone 20 years from now. The issue with the Brooklyn Nets is you you tried this thing where you said, well, let the players run the team, and it didn't work out. And you realize that slowly after you did it, because, I mean, even if you are going to let players run everything, Kyrie's not the guy you want in charge. And KD's issue is he's not vocal enough to run everything. Like, he's one of those guys... You ever be you ever in a relationship with one of those people where they just like expect you to know what they want and they expect you to do it without asking for it and if if you don't do it even if they don't ask they're upset with you. That's how it kind of is with KD. KD's an elite talent so to some extent you could argue that he deserves that. 
but he's not vocal enough to run a team if you let him have it. And so this this test, this experiment, when we said we're going to let the the hens run the hen house, or maybe that, I don't think that's how the expression goes, but I talked about this the other day. I actually did a podcast on Wednesday because everything was nuts. And I didn't release it because I didn't feel like I was on my 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 best game. And I outlined a lot of this stuff. And then uh, Katie and Kyrie and everybody and at UCLA and USC decided to go and break it. The issue with Brooklyn has always been the last three years, the culture and the people who have screwed the culture have never been playing because they just didn't want to. Because you gave them that much power to just say, you know what, mom and dad, I, I, you know what, curfew's not a big deal to me. I'm staying out as long as I want. And then you try to snatch it back. It's not how it works. So Brooklyn lost control. They set a bad culture. Now they need to take the culture back. The issue is, if we were going to look who's going to make a deal... Okay, Kyrie really badly wants LA. Here's the first thing. Neither KD nor Kyrie have a trade, a no trade clause, which make things a little interesting. And honestly, if I'm Brooklyn, you got to understand a couple of things. The first thing is, yes, I understand that KD, you did right by us. And you came in and, and you were hungry and you really tried your best to win and almost got to an Eastern Conference Finals with no help. If your foot was two inches shorter, you would have. Um, I get it if you're Brooklyn to say, look, KD, we respect you. But at this point, you gave up everything to go out and get James Harden. He left pretty quickly after. Kyrie kind of torched your franchise. And now KD's saying, you know what? I don't want to be here either. So... If you're the Brooklyn Nets, you got to have some respect for yourself and say, look, we, we want to be adults in this relationship, but we don't owe you anything. And on top of that, we need a lot back because we're losing everything. And it would be one thing if you had a foundation like the 76ers. Like if the 76ers dealt James Harden and Joel Embiid, they got a solid foundation to work off of. You got Matisse Thybul, you got Tyrese Maxey, you got Tobias Harris. You got a lot of guys. Brooklyn doesn't have that. Yes, you have Joe Harris. Yes, you have Seth Curry. But after that, that's about it. We don't know what Ben Simmons is going to be. Because honestly, he's probably going to be like a lot like his older brothers on this team. So, Katie and Kyrie. Kyrie reportedly wants to go to Brooklyn. Or not Brooklyn, to the Lakers. Supposedly wants a reunion with LeBron James. I don't think there's enough money in the world to pay AD, KD, Kyrie, and LeBron. Even if that's what you wanted to do, and I think even if that was what you wanted to do, I don't even think that that works. So I think it's one of those things where it's be careful what you ask for, because you probably won't get it, but if you did, it would not be what you had expected. So this move from KD and Kyrie to wherever, if you're Brooklyn, you got to go out and get the best available resources. The other issue with LA is they've dealt a lot of their draft picks to put together this team that LeBron wanted that didn't end up working out with Melo and the boys. So if you're Brooklyn, and we're going to see a lot from Brooklyn here soon, uh, 
Danny Ainge screwed that city over by stealing its draft picks. And they've never been able to really get those picks back, which has been sad because the pick that got Jason Tatum was the Nets pick. Like, there's been a lot of star power to be had, and Brooklyn's just whiffed on it because they've gotten rid of the picks. And if you're Sean McVay, that works. If you get known commodities back, that works. If you get Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald, that works. If you get Jalen Ram- sorry Jalen Ramsey and Matt Stafford, that works. Not if you get some of the most unreliable players in basketball. So we'll see what Brooklyn does going forward. Um, the reports are Kyrie really wants LA. But also other reports say Kyrie really wants to go wherever KD goes. There's less of that sense that KD wants to go with Kyrie, but there are a couple of people saying that. Um, KD has reportedly said he would like to go to either the Heat or the Suns. The Suns, I think, are a lot of fun because Chris Paul has the Tom Brady effect where he makes everyone around him better. Devin Booker just got paid, so he's going to be there for a while. And you could deal DeAndre Ayton. And you would still have uh, Bismack Biombo and a couple other guys and JaVale McGee to play at center if you really wanted to. And that could be a fun small ball team. And again, Chris Paul. But the issue again with that is... Katie doesn't have no trade clause. So... Brooklyn would have to definitively say, yeah, we're getting enough back to where this makes sense for us. The Kyrie option, you just send Kyrie to some black hole where he can never trick you into letting him come back ever again. That's the end of story with that. So I think it's smart for Brooklyn to do this. It's taking, it's a, it's addition by subtraction. You've got to get rid of a lot of these guys and you're not getting anything back this year or next year. But this is how you cleanse that future of this house. The next question we have to look at is how does KD look after this move? And and, and a theme of this show is going to be you can't have it both ways. So I feel like we really get two different versions of KD. One version of KD wins, one version of KD loses. When KD thinks, when KD walks around saying, I don't need help. And I'm just not going to talk to anyone. I'm not going to communicate. He loses. When he communicates, he wins. When he goes to Golden State and tries to have fun and tries to get along with other people, he wins. Which is weird to say the greatest score, one of the greatest scores in the history of the game, can't ever just do it on his own. Interesting. So how should KD look if he gets traded wherever he gets traded? Well. Now my move of KD to Atlanta doesn't look that crazy anymore. Because when I said it, there wasn't a whole lot on the table saying KD was going to move. But KD's got to go somewhere. Look, so how should KD look after this move? Everyone wanted to rip him a new one for going to Golden State. But I actually didn't hate it that much because I said, look, you can no longer ever put him in the Charles Barkley club. The greatest all time with an asterisk of, yeah, but he didn't win a ring. Charles Barkley's great, never won a ring. John Stockton's great, never won a ring. Carl Malone's great, never won a ring. So he got himself out of that class, which I honestly respected. Because as you're going to see later, I'm going to rip some losers. 
You can, we can't hate KD for wanting to win and then rip him when he wins and say, oh, well, he had to stack the deck to do it. He won an NBA championship. And Draymond Green said they couldn't have won without him. And I think that says a lot. I respect KD from this circumstance. First of all, he was getting tossed out onto his butt out of Golden State anyway because they did not get along. They didn't realize, I mean, maybe they did realize what they had and it was just too much, too long. But it just, it, A, wasn't going to work with them and the fans weren't having it either. KD was the butt of every joke, even their championship parade. This is why I respect Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant tried to do it on his own. He said, look, I'm going to go win with Kyrie, which at the time we said, well, Kyrie's great, so it's not that big of a deal. But I think if we look back and we say, oh, yeah, that game where KD almost single-handedly took down the Bucks, where was Kyrie? Oh, yeah, he, uh, he didn't play. Regular season, where was Kyrie? Oh, yeah, he, uh, he didn't play. KD has been doing it on his own the last few years in Brooklyn. Brooklyn was not his original idea. He did it to help out a friend. And it's almost like if you got asked to move, like if Kyrie said, hey, KD, come help me move. And then KD showed up to help him move. And then Kyrie went out to the bar or went out with friends or was, was, was doing something else. When it's like, dude, why am I helping you move your house? You ask me to come here. KD probably had better, more reliable options elsewhere. Came to Brooklyn anyway. Now, no one's arguing that Katie's the best communicator, but that is what it is. Brooklyn failing is not his fault because Brooklyn's been the most relevant that it's been in 20, 30 years when Katie was at the helm. He, he basically has carried them. Like, I would argue what Katie did in Brooklyn was not the same, but similar to what LeBron did in Cleveland the first time, where... In spite of there being no one on his team, I think Mo Williams is probably the best dude on that team next to Anderson Verigeau. Bruce Brown and, and Andre Drummond were the best guys on that team. KD carried him anyway. Like, you do realize he went toe-to-toe with a two-time MVP, a defensive player of the year, and they almost won that series with no help. KD tried to do everything he could in Brooklyn. I think he realizes we're not getting the right help and Kyrie is a toxicity to our culture and we need him out. So my only thing to KD is this. This is how KD is going to... I think this is his legacy setter. You're either going to go somewhere and you're going to be a champion. You're going to win two more. You're going to basically fight. You're going to contend with the Bucks and the Warriors for total domination in the NBA the next couple of years. Or... You're going to be that guy who was really good. We just feel like you could have gone higher and you never flew there. But his, his legacy will be remembered if he decides to follow Kyrie. I, I hate people who should learn their lesson with toxic people and don't. It's one thing if you're just a nice person and you help everybody. And when your ex calls, you say, ah, I just want to help just because I feel bad because I'm happier than you. I can understand that. But going back to toxic relationships to hopefully win those people's attention and spend a lot of time with those people, not healthy. And I think Kevin Durant is going to be remembered for what he does in the next couple of weeks. And I guess it might not be totally up to him, but I think he's going to have a little bit of sway to say, yes, I want to go with Kyrie or no, I don't want to go with Kyrie. And that if he follows Kyrie, 
we can just plan on never hearing from Kevin Durant on a relevant national stage ever again. So Jalen Brunson is expected to sign, and maybe at this point he has by the time you're listening to this, Jalen Brunson is expected to sign a major deal with the New York Knicks. Because, quote, there are people in Jalen Brunson's camp who think he's better off without Luka. Is Jalen Brunson right? Let me give it to you like this. So I've lived in basically every corner of America. I lived in Minnesota. I lived in Utah. I've lived in Utah again. I've lived in the bubble that sometimes is Utah. Lived on the west side of the country. Lived on the east side of this country. Lived in Georgia. Lived in the south. Lived in Virginia. Lived in D.C. Lived in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. Lived in the city. I've lived almost all scenarios except for the Midwest. And here's what I'll tell you. And this is not just uh, when you live lots of different places. This is true of anything. The grass is... Sorry, not the grass. is not always greener. The grass always seems greener on the other side. I, I don't know what that word is. Maybe it's metaphorical. Maybe it's a metaphor when you don't use like or as. But I think it's... I don't think that the, the, the quote means what, we, what it should mean, which is we say the grass is always greener on the other side. And what we mean by that is the grass always seems greener on the other side. It always seems nicer. It always seems better cut. Seems like it's got more my, more moisture. Unless you're in Utah, then no matter where you live, the grass never has moisture. Um, the grass is always greener on the other side. At least we always think that it is. And I went to high school with a lot of small town people. And because most of the people that I'm in my homes in this small town in Pennsylvania have never lived outside of it, they basically fall into one of two camps. They fall into the camp of, this is the greatest place on earth, why would I ever leave? Or they fall into the camp of, this is the worst place on earth, there's nowhere that's worse than this, I just want to go live in a major city in America. And I never have this conversation with them, but my response to them is, in my head, the grass always seems greener on the other side. It always seems nicer. Yeah, it'd be fun to live on the beach. Or... My favorite people, yeah, I just want to live in New York City. Kate, you can't look at the other side without understanding the reality of the other side. Like, when we look at the other side of the fence, everywhere seems like Disney World because it seems not here. Whereas, before you were here, this looked like Disneyland. You came here for a reason, Jalen. Dallas, playing with Luca, that looked like Disneyland when you first went there. And now you're saying, well, it's not Disneyland because I know the reality of it. No, New York City? No, no, no. That's Disney World. I get to go live in the greatest city in the world. I get to be a major star. And I get to have the team be mine. <sighs> Grass is always greener, Jalen. Now, is Luka one of the most ball-dominant players in the history of the league? Yes. But the last time the Knicks were relevant was when Carmelo was there. And even towards the end of Carmelo's time there, they were irrelevant. 
Luka has single-handedly been to more playoff series in the last three years than New York's been to in three times that. And I think Jalen's issue is he's is going to be, I, I don't trust people who don't have a firm grasp of reality. I love people who can have a firm grasp of reality and still be optimists. Because again, everyone's a legend in their own mind. Or at least you have to be if you want to be great. And I'll subscribe to that. But be a legend and understand reality. And I think Jalen Brunson's issue is he's going to go ink a major deal in New York. Awesome. You're going to live in the greatest city in the world. But you're also going to go to a losing culture where the media will rip you to pieces. Now, you can look like the good guy on a losing team. You can look like Bradley Beal. But just don't expect to be great. Because again, Luka single-handedly has took a team that has probably as much talent as the New York Knicks and has run those boys to the playoffs, carries those boys to the playoffs. Now, you helped out, but Luka was killing it before you were above average. And also, let's be honest, Jalen Brunson's contract, he's signing based off of a recency bias. Like, he's signing a major young player deal. When we've really only seen a half a season of greatness out of Jalen Brunson. The grass is always greener, Jalen. And also, we've seen this before. Guy thinks he's better than the star who's on the team. He goes to somewhere where he plans to be the star and ends up not being the star. Do you, Jalen? There's a lot of people who like getting paid to lose. Um, the Miami Heat have submitted a trade proposal for Donovan Mitchell. Now, we don't have a lot of word on what it is yet. There's just reports. But should Utah do it? And I take this question a little personally. As I live in Utah, I wouldn't say I'm a, a Jazz fan. Probably say I'm a, a Hawks fan at this point more than anything. I wouldn't even say I'm a diehard. I'm not really diehard NFL or NBA. I just love the culture. I love the sport. I love what it does for this country. Um, but but I would say I'm like a, I don't want to say secondary fan, but I'll, I'll watch the Jazz. I root for the Jazz. I keep up with the Jazz because like, I live there. I worked for them. I've worked for them. Um, freelance for them. So first of all, the Jazz, the Heat have nothing that the Jazz want. So I can guarantee you he's not getting traded for a couple of reasons. Because somebody has to leave in this deal. I understand that. There's still beef between Mitchell and, and Gobert, even though people still somehow, like the media in Utah, like Alema Harrington, whatever the other guy's name is, who's on the Jazz pregame, they keep trying to convince you, and, and a lot of people in the media keep trying to convince you that there's no beef, that it's squashed between Mitchell and Gobert. It's not. It's just not. It's obvious to see. Um, Gobert's going to get dealt. You have to deal one of them, and you don't want to keep Gobert. I understand that he shoots one of the highest field goal percentages in the NBA. And that people think he's one of the greatest defensive players in the NBA. I think both of those things are misleading. Because, yeah, you can be a great regular season player. I don't care what you are in the regular season if that's not what you are in the playoffs. 
It's like these people who want to get married after like three months. And I'm not hating or hating on anyone's marriage, but I'm saying you don't know what that girl is like when when uh, the depressing weather comes around. Or when hardship comes around. Things may have been great for three months. You don't know what she looks like without makeup. Are you ready for that? Hope so, but I don't know if you are. The issue in Salt Lake is they actually have a pretty deep team. They just don't have enough star power. Mike Conley is the Jarvis Landry of the NBA. He's been living off a lot of hype. When in reality, he's just semi-athletic. And he does one thing pretty solid. But even Jarvis Landry's, the only place he's the number one option is in uh, Cleveland where they had no one else to throw the ball to. Which, speaking of which, let's give Baker some credit for being that good with no receivers. Um, so Miami's submitting a trade proposal for Donovan Mitchell. Which, there's words that Donovan wants out. Um, they're not trading him before the deadline. I don't think so. Because you have the all-star break in Salt Lake City. And you need a face for that marketing plan. And if it's not Donovan Mitchell, who is it? Because it's not Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is a defensive liability in the playoffs. He's too slow. He can't keep up in today's game. And frankly, he's soft. So if you're Utah, unless they're offering you back Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo, and draft picks, I don't think it's worth it. Like, it's got to be a big deal. You got to bluff, not bluff them into it, but force them into a a big swap. Mitchell's not the piece you want to move. Because if I have to pick between Mitchell and Gobert, it's not even debatable. So, there's that. Um, This is going to be quick. We do have some updates on the Deshaun Watson hearing. So there's there's a lot of this is literally all uh he said she said So the NFL didn't find any any evidence that there was violence, threats or force or coercion in any of these sexual miscon- personal misconducts. So, interesting. Now, that, that's not to say that that all these women were totally fine with it. Like, they could have been uncomfortable and just went along with it because they were afraid. Not arguing that. But there wasn't any physical violence or uh, physical coercion to force them to have sex. Okay. The NFL did admit that the punishment that they're trying to impose on Deshaun Watson is unprecedented. Like an indefinite suspension of over a year hasn't, we haven't seen that before. The NFLPA is also not going to push for discipline of Watson. But the judge who's reviewing this case is going to issue a decision soon. And... The league is essentially 
slapping very hard on Deshaun Watson's wrist so that something like this doesn't happen again, A, and B, the league has, is, has had enough criticism for being too lenient on their punishments that they don't want any public backlash to say you should have done more, especially with the Trevor Bauer case and, and a lot of other personal misconduct issues as it pertains to professional sports. We will have a, a decision here soon. Um, okay, so again, what I was talking about earlier, USC and UCLA just decided to blow up the internet after Katie and Kyrie did it. Because USC and UCLA... So... <coughs> sorry. When Texas and Oklahoma made their move from SEC to the SEC, we heard whisperings of it. It was very secretive and it was leaked. Very uh, and and then it got out. But now USC and UCLA have obviously had this in the works for a little while, and then it just blows up. So as of right now, the schools will begin to play in 2024 as of... Schools will play in the Big Ten as of 2024. The vote was unanimous from the presidents and chancellors voting to accept these two schools into the Big Ten, which I find interesting. This tells me a couple of things. So if... Obviously, nobody listened to the podcast I put out the other day because I didn't post it. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't because I would have had to not backtrack, but I would have had to go back on a lot of things that I said. So USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten, what does this tell me? I think there is a lot more in the works. I remember, you guys remember, I think it was last year. There was talk of a super conference in European soccer that would basically have just been Champions League every year. Full like everybody would just leave their conference for this this elite group of teams where they would just monopolize the money. And it's obvious, I think a lot of times we think we know everything going on in the world of sports. We think if people hear a report that they report it, that's not true. And that this is becoming more relevant now than ever. And a lot of times whisperings seem like more or less than they actually are. I have no sources, no personal knowledge of this, but I'm everything leads to something, everything means something. They're a hundred percent is more going on beneath the surface than we have any idea about. And what does all of this mean? Well, it means that the, that UCLA and USC understand where the money is. And they understand where it is not. And they know that for lack of a better word, the Pac-12 is a laughing stock of college football. Because even the Big 12 for the longest time had OU in Texas. And OU had been to the playoffs. Pac-12 has only had two teams make the playoffs, and neither one have been in the last four years. 
Oregon and Washington. And Washington got walloped the last time they made the playoffs. We can gut into what does this mean for the Big Ten. We can get into does this make it the Big Ten easier to recruit coastally? Maybe. But Ohio State and Michigan were already doing that, so I don't think that changes that much. I don't think this suddenly puts Nebraska and Wisconsin in a position to be on the rise. I think they're going to continue to stay what they are. But it does tell me that this is way more about the money than anything we saw before. And I made that reference to that soccer European Super Conference earlier to tell you this. Posted on my Instagram story today. I said it last year. This has nothing to do with the Big Ten. It does a little bit. But more than that, it has everything to do with the money. And I made a rant on Wednesday saying that college football does things slowly and methodically. And I think we've had more reports to change in college football when it terms of scheduling and how we determine a conference champion. All these reports coming out. I think we are closer than ever. Because obviously NIL is about the money now. Players are about the money. Coaches are getting paid more than they ever have. They're breaking the ceiling for that. I think there's more attention. People are realizing there's more attention in college football than we previously thought. And UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten tells me one thing. An expanded college football playoff format is coming in some form. And I think a uniform governing body of college football of a super conference is coming. I don't know if this was before that report last year. I don't know if it was after. But you can't tell me that college football or college basketball doesn't waive that billion dollar check that they make every year from March Madness. And you can't tell me that these boosters and these schools don't look at that and say, oh yeah, we want a piece of that. Why, like, why take less money if you know you can make more? If you know you could command more, you're not going to stay at a job where you can make less. <laughs> College football, you've, I, I'm telling you, I don't have information on it right now, but I'm telling you a super conference is coming and a uniform body, body of governance is coming to college football. And we will see a super conference. The Pac-12, I think, is going to be dead. We're essentially at a power four now. Oregon and Utah are going to easily run that conference. Not even close. I mean, as it was last year. And Utah's not that convincing, and neither was Oregon. Maybe they will be now that they have Dan Lanning. But I'm telling you right now. They are telling, college football is telling all of us. With the new video game coming, with the NILs. Get skyrocketing. College football is all about money. And I don't know if that kills or creates opportunity. But I can tell you, the eye is single set on money. And they know the thing that would make more money than anything else is a super conference in which all the best teams play. It's like watching... It's like going from 
watching just Iron Man and just the Hulk to we have a full-blown Avengers saga. Everybody's teaming up. Everybody's fighting. This is X-Men versus the Avengers. This is the Justice League versus the Avengers. This is the best of the best. Iron sharpens iron because that is what's going to break the box office more than anything else. College football is not going to stay the same. College football is not going to live by this rule that I thought we were under where college football does things slow and methodically and they don't subscribe to change. They do now because they know the money supports that market. Um, Bradley Beal just inked a, a major deal with Washington for five more years. I'm not going to make a huge rant on that. I'm just going to say, Bradley Beal, you can't have it both ways. You can't want to be respected like a winner and stay in a losing situation. One of my buddies texted me and said, hey, what's the deal with this? Why is, is Bradley Beal saying for less to, to, to make more money in a losing situation? I said, hey, if you told me I could go to work every day and work for a crappy company and I could make millions of dollars, tell me who's saying no to that. Now, Bradley Beal can't expect it to be treated like a winner or a champion, and he can't expect us to remember his name for a long time. Very, very talented basketball player. That's why he's commanding the money that he is. Don't, don't get it twisted with what I'm saying. But he's not going to be a champion. And you can make a lot of money, but you don't get to be a champion. You don't get it both ways. Tom Brady's living proof of that. You want to be the GOAT, you got to take less money. That's just as simple as it is. You can't have it both ways. Um, also, in, in case you didn't see this, there's video surfacing. Let me see if I can go find the exact quote. Basically, we had that huge beef a few weeks ago between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher because basically Nick Saban said, look, I'm not calling anyone a cheater. I'm just saying Texas A&M pays all of their guys. Interesting. There's now video surfacing of a Texas A&M coach on a recruiting trip with a bunch of recruits, and he said, quote, and they're standing in the stadium at uh, Kyle Field in Texas A&M. And this coach says, quote, y'all getting a lot of money from the people behind these suites if you come, if you decide to come play here. If that's not pay to play, I don't know what is. And it kind of makes Jimbo look a little dumb because in my experience... People in situations like this don't just go AWOL and make their own stupid decisions. It's usually a a wink-wink, crisscross, handshake kind of deal. Maybe I didn't say it because of plausible deniability if I'm Jimbo Fisher, but you know what I meant. So uh, as far as I'm aware, Jimbo hasn't responded, and maybe he has by the time you're listening to this, but it does make Jimbo look dumb, and... It just confirms what we've all been thinking for a long time, and that is players are getting paid to go to these schools. It just is what it is. Thanks for hanging out with the show. Uh, we had, obviously, an emergency podcast today because Dan and I decided to break in the sports world yesterday. Hope you guys have a phenomenal weekend, a phenomenal 4th of July, and uh, we will be back with you on Wednesday. Whoa! Whoa!